and welcome to Don't Feed the Geeks, presented by the Long Island Comic Guys, the masters of the geeky verse. Welcome back, geek freaks. I am TC, joined today by JJ. What up? That's what I'm going with today. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> and Toy Story. There's a snake in my boots. <laughs> Come on, but a little more heart than that. There's a... All right, I'll miss that. <laughs> All right, we have an awesome episode for you guys today. We interview comic extraordinaire artist John Broglia. We talk about a lot of fun stuff, some recent, uh, some new work he's got coming out very soon. Um, we also have a cool uh, movie review. We have a new 80s rev- movie review uh, segment coming at the end of the episode after the interview. Uh, we're going to be reviewing the 1982 movie, The Thing. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. There's going to be a little bit of a contention there, I think. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be contentious. <laughs> I think, J- I, JJ, I, when we get to that, I want you to start off. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Let, um, you know, let, let, let Matt start off because he's the one that brought this this thing to uh, to us. So he'll start it off. <laughs> I'm sure you recommended the movie. <laughs> You started off. I think you did too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever, moving on. All right, well, before we get to that, though, let's jump into the geek beat and we'll turn it over to Toy Story. What do you got for us, Toy Story? All right, we got a couple cool things in the Star Wars world this week. So Disney Plus recently announced that The Mandalorian um, is going to be getting a new behind-the-scenes show uh, starting May the 4th. It's called Disney Gallery of the Mandalorian, so I guess they're going to be doing a couple of Disney Gallery shows. But it's going to be basically detail all the behind the cool behind the scenes stuff uh, that went into the making of the show. Um, so that's supposed to be eight episodes premiering on May fourth, Star Wars Day. I'm really excited to see that. It's eight episodes, really? Yeah, I think one for each episode, probably. Wow. And is it, are they out, are they half hour or hour? I'm not sure about that. Oh. All right. That's that's Did, cool. Sorry, I, I missed part of it. Did you say they were going to be available weekly or all at once? I'm pretty sure yeah. weekly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah did, I'm, I'm excited to see that because the film, the filming of that show was really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but they they didn't use any sort of green screens. They used like giant LCD screens where they projected like the landscapes behind them. Oh, I didn't know that. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. So no green screen whatsoever. Cool. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also with Mandalorian, they announced that season three is already in the works and we don't even have season two. <laughs> so John Favreau is writing scripts as we speak and uh, the art department for Lucasfilm is drawing up concept art. And yeah, so that's, we got a lot of, a lot of good Mandalorian stuff coming. Do we, do we know that if, do we think or know that if they're going to move that up a little bit to release it? I mean, I'm not sure. I assume, I mean, I know season two is done filming, so they're probably doing post-production from home right now. So I think that might stay on track for this fall. So if they're able to get back to filming by the fall, then maybe it'll be next year too. I mean, we got to see. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So what else is there? (laughs) You distracted me. Um, All right, what else? So also DC announced that they're going to be releasing a small amount of new books on Wednesday, April 28th, which will be two days from now when you're hearing this. (laughs) <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because I've been thinking about it a little bit. I don't know if it's like a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I guess it's a good thing for people looking to read, but is it really good for the shops? I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Because it's kind of for, like putting the shops in a weird position because they don't know if, I guess they don't know if customers are going to come and buy these, you know? And the big thing is a lot of them are reprints. Yeah, 
they are. Like, I think there's like two, there's like two like new two new books this week, which I personally I've never heard of. Daphne Byrne and the Dreaming. I think the biggest one that I heard is getting like a, a new release book is, I think this is not until like May also, but it's like the next Harley Quinn. Like yeah. Harley Quinn's going to get a new book in part of the series. And that's the only one that I saw that I really like knew off the top of my head. Yeah, I think it's like going to be the first or... giant and stuff like that. But I think that Harley Quinn's going to be like the first or second week of May. Yeah. Did, did they drop, did they drop, I a, I... did they drop a, a digital only this week? I thought they did. I'm a, not sure. I, I thought yeah. it was. A, I saw. I thought I saw something that they dropped a super a new super a Superman digital only book this week. I could be wrong. I'm actually mm. looking it up right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I were them, I would. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Yeah, it's it's here. It is. It's uh, it's called uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow. It's a week. It's going to be a weekly uh, Superman book digital. So I may, I imagine what they're doing with the um, with those uh, those what were those books that they did they uh, uh oh injustice injustice where they released them Eternal, weekly and then that. yeah and then they did a, a book a monthly book with all four of them together well aren't they doing um the batman adventures that way as well it looks like there's the, a f- the new adventures of bat well there's a few of them there's there's a, a batman gotham knights there's aquaman deep dives and wonder woman agent of peace so it looks like mm. there's four of them that they've got listed here uh, dc digital first is what they're calling it because I remember they were doing, they they said they were going to do that with Batman the animated series, weren't they? Continue Batman Adventures, it was called, right? I oh yeah, I you're right. Yep, yep. It, it is. Yep. Yeah. Issue two came out, so yeah, they've got two issues of that already out. Um, the Wonder Woman dropped yeah, this that, week, um, so that's what it was. Wonder Woman dropped this week, and the Superman dropped today. It's interesting. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess it gives you know, people a little bit of new stuff. I'll be honest with you. I mean, as, as much as it stinks, it does give me a little bit more time to catch up on like all my backlog of stuff. You were super behind. I mean, if you look at that behind me, that's stuff I haven't gone through. Uh, (laughs) What what I'm showing uh, JJ and Toy Story is a stack of books from probably, I can't even tell you when, (laughs) probably last year. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm behind my digital books that I, that I bought weeks ago. I'm not, I haven't even gone through them a lot. And I'm still just reading old stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you guys should read that flash run I'm reading. It's really good. We'll, probably, uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah. When, when he's done with the graphic novel, give it to me. Are you reading it digitally or Digital, in yeah. book? Uh, oh, so no, on, a, on a DC. So just send me your iPad. <laughs> okay. It's, it's in DC. Uh, do you have DC, the DC thing, don't you? No, he, he let oh, it. you renewed? I did, I did renew, but I renewed monthly, so it's only eight bucks a month. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, let it, I let it bypass. So. Oh, you did? Yeah. There, there was too much DC stuff I wanted to read. I was like, all right, I'll just do it. <laughs> all right, so last up, we got a bunch of release date changes, a couple of which just came out uh, like a couple hours ago. So the first one is Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has been moved from October 20, October 2nd, 2019. Um, I'm sorry, that should say 2020, to June 25th, 2021. So it was moved about eight months up. I still haven't finished the first one. Neither have I. I haven't started it. <laughs> I started watching it, and I think like my wife yelled at me at one point, and like I had to turn the TV off, and I just never went back. You know, I didn't hate it. I mean, I really like Tom Hardy, so I mean, like I feel like I I may think it's okay. It made and a lot of money. Did it really? It made like almost a billion dollars. I'm pretty sure, if not that much. Really? I mean, oh, pretty sure. I'm fact checking myself. 
And I feel like the most positive reviews I heard of it was it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that was like the positive ones. Yeah, it made $850 million. Oh, Wow. I remember Jeff saying that he goes, it's, it's a really great 90s movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Interesting. But I, I don't know. I'll eventually watch it. I mean, and they got Car- Carnage's Woody Harrelson. Like, that's got to be awesome. Yeah. Like, if they can at some point you know, bring all those people into the MCU, I might be okay with it. I don't like they, that it's not connected. And if they don't, I wouldn't mind Tom Hardy as Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that all we got for the Geek Beat? No, so a couple more release date changes. Right. So first we have Spider-Man, whatever three is going to be. Um, July 16th, 2021 is now November 5th, 2021. Uh, We have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which November 5th, 2021 is now March 25th, 2022. So essentially moved up. Uh, I'm really, that's the one I'm really uh, excited to see. Sam Raimi. I have a good feeling about that one. Did we talk about that yet? That Sam Raimi is going to be doing it? No, you definitely talk about it now. Yeah. So he's a, he confirmed that he's going to be directing it. And so, you know, you guys know what that means. We're going to see a Mr. McGuire back, I think in one of the multiverses. Well, they've been pushing that hard that you might see the, the other two Spider-Man show up, right? I think that's going to happen. That'll, that'll be, he, he's going to want to do that. The Sam Raimi is? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like they just let the internet do this stuff for them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, let's just let's, let's see what people put out there, and then we'll do it. I mean, how long do you think before they actually officially say that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic? I mean, they're like, seems like the people want that. Like, they probably, they wait until... Let, let, let's give Krasinski a call. <laughs> look what happened with Rosaria Dawson and Ahsoka. That's I mean, been a thing that people have been saying for years that they want. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, listen, Disney's like, let's give the people what they want. <laughs> well, that's all yeah. they got to do is listen, the listen to the people, and the, that's where they're going to make their money. I mean, because we know better than they do. I would think so. And, the, and you're right. And the people who don't care, they're going to go see it regardless. Right. Or they're not. <laughs> And the last one moves that was announced is uh, TC's favorite movie, Into the Spider-Verse 2, from April 8th, 2022 to October 7th, 2022. Oh, I didn't know they were doing another one. So everything's moved about six months, essentially. Yeah, they made a buttload right, of money. So they made a buttload of money on the first one. You don't think they're going to do a second one? I mean... I mean, makes sense. they also won the Oscar, right? Yeah. They did, yeah, that's animated. I, wow. I think first the, time, I think um, another movie beat out Disney. I think they're going to run with that. I think, they're, I think we're going to see a third one. I, I guarantee it. Uh Especially if this one does well too. Yeah, uh, Matt, the the movie I'm most concerned about you didn't uh, include in this. Is, yeah, new uh, release date. It's going to be April sixteenth, twenty thirty six. Um, I bought tickets for us already. We'll be, for, we'll be there for, for the new mutants. Yes, sir. Twenty thirty six. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable yet going to the movie theater by then. You have no idea how upset I am, only because <laughs> it actually would have come out if not for this. You know what's funny? The movie theater by me actually has like the poster of it like coming out like April whatever like outside. It's like they it's like they knew this was a thing between us and they're just like you know what that's that's great. They listen to the people. Love... See. <laughs> oh man, that's that's. Daisy cool. Williams is going to be like seven years older than she was in that movie by the time. It comes out. That's fine. Uh, I'm not making it two anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. All right, that's all I got. Last right, last so before last... we jump into. Lastly, you know, the word was uh, that Disney's not going to open up until 2021. Thoughts on that? Disney Parks. 
Mm. How much does that suck? Well, I guess that means we're not going to uh, Disney World in December. There, Toy Story. You're yeah, not. No. You're not going. My this cousin year. is a. Uh, my cousin's getting married there next year. I don't know what the going to be with that. I don't see that happening either. Well, it's going to suck. I want to go to the Disney. No large events are going to happen for a while. Nope. Nope. All right, go ahead, TC. Oh, uh, so uh, I, I listened to um this this part of my take um podcast on Barstool, and they were talking about this documentary the other day. It's called King of Kong: Fistful of Quarters. I don't think you watched the Toy Story, but I, but I remember you saying that you've seen it, JJ. Yes, I've so heard it. Like, it was hilarious. Like what they were talking about, I was like, I have to check this thing out. It is like, I just, you know, I posted a, a quick review on it on, you know, our, um, our Instagram account, but what a weird thing. It was like, and what I said in, in my review was it's 50% pathetic, 50% hilarious. I mean, a hundred percent entertaining. It's like, I, it, it's the world that I thought existed inside a comic book store before I actually went into a comic book store. I mean, like That's geeks an interesting and, way to describe it. Geeks and nerds, like the people from Revenge of the Nerds seemed like the coolest people in the world compared to most of the people in this documentary. So like it was it, it was real? Oh yeah. Like real. real people? It's based on real people. So like some some guy named Billy Mitchell has this King Kong record for years. Like thirty years he had it or something like that. And then this pretty normal guy, the only kind of really normal guy in the whole documentary is this guy, Steve Wiebe, who's trying to beat the record. And I mean, the guy gets pretty like sad about it, but like, so he's trying to beat the record. He beats it. He, he buys an at-home thing. He beats it. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. And he submits it to this thing called Twin Galaxies. Never heard of this in my life. Apparently they're the official score and record keeper for video games, games especially classic video games yep. yeah and they like the guinness world book of record comes to them to be official about these records so he submits a video of him beating the whole game he beats the record he sends it into them they send two like geek goons to this guy's house and say no your thing isn't uh <laughs> your score isn't valid your machine doesn't check out it's like there's so you could have done something to your motherboard you have to do it in public and it's just like, it's so weird. And the guy who has a record is like on the board of this Twin Galaxies thing. So he has his like hands in it. And the guy who's like the head of it just like goes by whatever he said. People like this, like old geek loser who has like really long hair and a beard. And he's like, he owns like some crappy restaurant now. The whole world idolizes him. Now, mind you, this came out in 2007. And I think it was recorded even like probably early 2000s. These are like, people still live in like in their parents' basements at 45 years old. I mean, it's, is it worth watching? A hundred percent. Okay. You have to watch it. Like right. I was, I watched it. I was like, Oh my God. Like I, it was like, is it on YouTube? Stuff. Yeah, it's free. You can awesome. watch it for free on YouTube. I, I highly recommend watching. It was just such a weird thing. And they don't tell you at the end. So after a while, like, like it ends with you thinking he doesn't beat the record. And then at the end, it like just says like, oh, by the way, a year later, he beat the world record. <laughs> and then we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. JJ's like, the other guy was was turned out to be a complete fraud who yep. cheated. Billy Billy Mitchell cheated. <laughs> the guy, Billy oh Mitchell who had the record and had all his so record. He, he had all his records taken away because of he was cheating. He was yeah. cheating the whole thing. The whole thing was yeah. fa- was farce. 
And the worst part is, as I was just wondering, so this guy, Walter Day, who's like the Gandalf of like the Twin <laughs> Galaxies thing, he, um, he tells this guy, Steve Weeby, like, you have to come in person and beat this record. That's the, you know, that's the best way to do it. And he gets really close. He's like, he, he does whatever they call it. It's called a kill screen. Have you ever heard yep. of this, Matt? Kill screen. No. Yep. It's a kill screen is when you get to the end of the game and like you can't go any further. It just the the game just dies. It kind of it pixelates and then it di- and then it basically shuts down. All all the games yeah. have them. Like Pac Man has it. Donkey Kong has it. They all have them. So it was it was Donkey Kong that he was doing this on. So he does it, and this is the first time it's ever done in like a, a public arcade. No one's ever done it in a public arcade <laughs> wow. before. So he does that. So so and then he beats the record on top of that in public at the thing and then they're like oh uh so the same day he beats the record this like creep billy mitchell sends a videotape of him beating it and the guy's like uh like one of the guys who's reviewing is like i don't know it looks like it could have been a little doctored and meanwhile the guy who's head of the twin galaxies like no no yeah it's totally good we're gonna we're gonna keep it as the new record on top of this guy's record i was like what is this this is so corrupt but i that's that's my that's I my weird that. rant, but a hundred percent totally watch it. Oh. I mean, I know it's not an official review, but it's it's a separate it's review. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's uh, not that long the, either. I think it's, it's like only an hour. It's called the King of Kong. Yeah, a fistful of quarters. All right, cool. I'll check that out. But yeah, I've been on kind of a documentary kick lately. Oh, we we also watched Tess, the the uh, Steve Ditko documentary. Oh yes, I forgot, Talk totally about forgot that about that really briefly. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been, I was just, it came up on my YouTube recommendations, I guess, because I was watching some comic stuff. It's this, like, one-hour documentary from 2007 called In Search of Steve Ditko. So this British guy, I think he's, like, a talk show host or something. I think he's, like, a BBC a big person. In yeah, his name's prison, Jonathan yeah. Ross. So he's a big comic fan, whatever. And so he's does this whole documentary on the history of Steve Ditko and, like, finding where he is, essentially, because after he left Marvel, he kind of like disappeared from everybody. He went and did a couple things for like DC and other companies, but nobody's really seen him or heard from him since then. So this whole thing is like, he's given a history of everything in interviews with like, you know, Stan Lee and Alan Moore. They got to come out of his cave and talk. And so that whole part. Another weird guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's interesting. But um, it was at the end, they tracked down, him and Neil Gaiman, who wrote Sandman, actually tracked down Steve Ditko's office in New York City. And this was back in 2007. He was still alive, obviously. And they walked up to the to his office, called him, and was like, can we come up just to talk to you? And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, no problem. Thanks. And then they hung up, and they're like, we're going up there, right? And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're up there for like half an hour talking to Steve Ditko. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a really cool documentary, only like an hour long. Yeah, definitely a strange guy. I mean, you know, a lot of those people were. And, it, you know, my favorite part about it, and I'd never seen this one, like a lot of these interviews, he actually got Stan and John Romita on there. And, I mean, you know, John, you know, Stan was like, it was funny because Stan was a little reluctant yeah. to say that, you know, he's like, listen, he's like, I feel like I had the idea. I was the creator. I was like, well, you know, he helped me bring him to life. So, you know, it was important to him. So, yeah, he's the co-creator, <laughs> but he said apparently he's like I consider you the co-creator. Yeah, and apparently like he put that in the letter, and Steve Ditko did not like that. <laughs> but John Romita was great too, because I don't think I've ever seen anything with John Romita. Like that's no, the first I interview. Was, I didn't even know I, what he looked like. Yeah, that was the first interview I've ever seen with him. Yeah. So it was crazy that he was saying he's just like, you know, he could have made 
millions. Like he could yeah. have been independently wealthy from Spider Man. I mean, his name is still but on. He just like, didn't care. <laughs> yeah, like uh, in the original Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire, like it says Spider Man created by Stanley and Steve. I, Dick, I think it still so. Does. Did he not receive residuals and stuff from that? Probably I not. Right? Unless he declined the money. I don't know. I also totally did not. I guess I knew this, but I totally did not realize he only did 38 issues of Spider Man. Crazy, I know. I think I actually didn't even realize he did that many. You thought it was less? I thought it was less. Yeah. When he said he went up that far, I was like, oh wow, I didn't realize that. Because Alan Moore said it was like 35, so I went to look it up. I was like, no way. And then yeah. it was 38. <laughs> it was interesting though. I would definitely check it out, Jim. Uh, I forgot. Did Did you say that in the group or you just sent it to me? Because I sent it. Yeah, I sent it to you. It's called it's In Search of Steve Ditko. It's on YouTube. Yeah, send it to JJ too. It's definitely worth watching. Cool. I'll check it out. Good. You guys have anything else, or you want to jump into our interview with John Broglia? Yeah, let's do that. All right. All right, guys. Next, come in our interview with John Broglia. All right, guys. Really excited today. Awesome interview with our buddy, John Broglia. He's a local artist out here on the island. You know, he's known for Zombie Sama, Mice Templar, God Complex. Unmask and a bunch of other things. John, thank you for joining the stream today. The podcast, everything. Thanks, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, nice. yeah. Don't we? We're, we're a big fan of all the artists that don't feed the geeks. So. <laughs> um, so I don't know how things have been going with you. I know it's we have this crazy thing going on right now. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the art lifestyle is really uh, it works out as long as you're producing books, but. I know that yeah. it's a, there's a stop right now. So how are you guys handling it? Um, not bad, not bad. Uh, well, first off, artists and all creators, we're, we're built for this. We're built <laughs> for staying in our dungeons and, uh, you know, not having to go out to the sunlight. But um, we had a, I had one project going on right now. We just heard from, I'm actually allowed to talk about it now, which is great. Oh, nice. awesome. We were on a stop, uh, but briefly, and we just um, heard from them through Dark Horse Comics. Um, and we just heard from them that we're back on. So it was a really quick turnaround. We'll just be delayed a little bit. But um, so that didn't really affect us too much there, which was pretty good. Dark Horse has been great. Um, they got back to us. They stayed in touch with us the whole time and got back to us really quickly, uh, which has been fantastic. Um, other than that, it's just, you know, the whole family's home. And, you know, um, if there's a positive upside to this, it's this quality time that we're all kind of being forced in and stuck in to spend together. And it's, it's that's, that's a great aspect of it. I just wish it wasn't coupled with such craziness, but. I know. Yeah. We tried to do an episode. Uh, what was it? Like two episodes ago, we did like, we were talking about like quarantine life, but like trying to focus on the positives. And that's definitely one of the positives, you know, spending more time with the family, you know, yeah. not, you know, not going out as much. It's, it's an unfortunate situation, but you know, there are some positives coming out of it. Yeah. You have to try and find some positive in it. Yeah. Um, so you're 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 not just an artist now. You're a teacher. You're uh, you're a cook. You're luckily, <laughs> my, wife, my wife's a teacher. So <laughs> all right, good. Thank God she's home too, and she's been <laughs> amazing. She's she's so good at at handling all of this. Um, she's taking care of her own students, and she's teaching our kids, and um, she's taking care of you know the house together. We you know splitting responsibilities like we always do, but wow. she's been phenomenal. Kudos to her. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing great. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I uh, well, we, we might we might be hiring her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need to hear that. <laughs> so normally, how we kick these off is we like to get our guest origin story. I think I mentioned that to you briefly. You like your comic book origin story. 
Uh, we credited Tom Travers uh, when we told him about the idea, and he actually gave us a name. Was, oh, kind of like a comic book origin story. I was like, that's actually a great name. Exactly what we want to do, yes. Yeah, Tom's a great dude. Yeah, Tom. he is a good guy. We've had him on the, sh- uh, the show a few times. But uh, why don't you tell us uh, John Broglie's origin story in the uh, geek and comic culture? <laughs> it's, there's no... Uh... No radioactive spiders or anything cool, but it's like that's that's the fourth time. Yeah, yeah, yeah how many more people? So. Um, I right out. Of, I went to college. I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. Um, I had originally gone there for cartooning and illustration. Uh, about after that, at the freshman year, I believe it was, uh, we had so many teachers that were like just talking us out of it. Like they were so negative about the industry um, that they were just like, you're not going to find work. You're not going to find a job. So I was the first person in my family, not only to go to college, but to pursue art. And I come from a very, you know, middle-class blue collar construction working family. So the, the fear of having all these loans and coming out of school and no job was scaring the heck out of me. So I, I saw the panic. I was like, I, I have to do something. So a couple of buddies of mine, they was like, switch over to animation. You'll always have work. You'll always find, you know, steady, steady work. So I did. So I finished out the rest of the, uh, the bachelor's degree doing animation and film. And um, I interned at a few animation studios coming right out of the box. But went immediately right back to my first love. My first gig was back in comics again. Um, two young guys who had like a fund tr- uh, trust fund or something like that that they were being given they wanted to start up their own company um they hired they looked on the sba website and found myself and one other artist um they ran out of money very quickly which is you know they, they didn't realize that was gonna happen um but once they ran out of money what we get what we got out of it was a trip to san diego to comic-con so they paid for us to fly out to san diego we set up in um uh, it was a small press in the small press section. I was watching like a zombie Jesus walk by and like, uh, you know, somebody dressed up as a robot or something. And um, it was, you know, complete insanity, but it was like crickets. I guess packed as San Diego Comic-Con was, that small press section, there was nobody but the creators over there. So myself and the other artists were finally like, we're just going to get up and go roam around. Like, this is our chance to be fanboys. So we went and I got to meet Oh my God, everybody that I was a big giant fan of, from Eric Larson to John Romita Jr. to Jim Lee, walked around and I ran into Billy Tucci. Ugh. And um, yeah, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that guy, it always comes back to that guy. Jesus. Six degrees of Billy Tucci. And um, <laughs> so Billy and I met um, as his amazing wife, Debbie. And, um, you know, we hit it off. And we wanted to work together. So a few months later, we, we scheduled a meet at Pittsburgh Comic-Con. And we did so. And we decided we were going to work on Zombie Sama. And um, this was 2006. Wow. And, yeah, this was 2006. And we actually did release. That was my first published book. We released a short version of Zombie Sama through an Italian publishing company. Uh, it was Norwegian Publishing. They were trying to swing over to a brand new company. They were trying to come over to America. They snatched up, I think, like Jimmy Palmiotti, a handful of different top-notch guys, and Billy was one of their guys. Um, so we did the book, and we put it out, and you know, it was a limited, small release. It came out the first year New York Comic Con started, so we did a signing at their booth there, um, and then that was really it. 
you know, for that. And I had written an idea for Zombie Sama 2 and to keep it going. But um, I went off to work for Image. I worked on God Complex with Mike Oming. I got to meet Mike Oming at that. I was a giant fan of um, at that first New York Comic Con. And, um, you know, we just went our separate ways. And now, so many moons later, Billy and I are back doing Zombie Summer again, which is pretty cool. That's right. So I think you skipped ahead a little bit, though. Just a little bit. <laughs> so where, so what started it? Like, what, when you were a kid, like, what got you into, like, what kind of led you to want to go to, like, you know, the School of Visual Art and be an artist? It was, um, well, my first books, my first books, I, I don't think I, I don't think I read anything except for Marvel and a little DC up until I was about a 10 or 11 years old. I didn't even know anything else existed. <laughs> I had a great, um, I had a great comic shop right around the corner for me. I lived in there. That was like my second home. Um, I was, grew up in Brooklyn. Um, and it was, you know, I, I, it was like, uh, my little home away from home. It was great. <laughs> Started my, my mom used to take, I think it was right next door to her hair salon, her nail salon. So it was back in the eighties where you were allowed to just dump your kid somewhere else. <laughs> you didn't have to hover over them every four seconds. So she was like, go stay in that comic store and while I get my nails done. And I lived in it. I was like in there like every day. And I think about 11 years old, uh, I think Image first came out. And once Image came out and I realized, wow, I was like all these guys that I was following before on X-Men and Spider-Man and X-Force, they're actually allowed to do their own thing. Like this is, I didn't know that. And I know you could do your own thing in comics. I thought you had to only work on Marvel's characters. And that stuck with me till today, like till this, Till now, like I've always only really wanted to work on my own stuff, and it's because of that. It really is because of that that original image seven, you know. And um, they they changed the game for me right then and there. At that moment, I knew I wanted to make comics. I was about awesome. years old. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Was there a specific guy that you kind of really admired that you think influenced like your style or anything like that? Um, my style came out of my switch over to animation. Um, before that, before School of Visual Arts, I was, you know, like everybody else, it was, you know, the 90s, I was trying to draw like Jim Lee. <laughs> you know, everybody was like trying to draw like, you know, like the old image guy. Um, but once I switched over to animation, you know, Batman the Animated Series yeah. was a big influence. Obviously, Bruce Tim, uh, Darwin Cook, Batman Beyond, he had that opening, the opening sequence of Batman Beyond. <laughs> so all those guys. And that, that's where my, my style kind of shifted. Obviously, um, even when I was doing animation, uh, working and studying animation, my love of comics was still there. I was still every Wednesday heading to the comic shop in the city right up the block was Cosmic Comics. And I was still getting my, my stash of comics every week. And the book that was really consistently rekindling my love, like not letting me move away from comics fully, was Powers. And that's how my, my affinity, my love for Mike Oming's work, you know, grew from there. Like, Powers was another big moment. Powers was like, I'm like, wow, these guys are, like, doing some crazy stuff on this. Like, these guys are out of their mind. Like, <laughs> like he's got, like, his monkey masturbation in this. Like, <laughs> and uh, I was like, these guys are really doing whatever they want. I said, yeah, and it was fantastic. So it was, it was great crime stories. So that, that was the kind of book at that point when I was in college. That was the kind of book I wanted to do. So... That, that kept my, my love of comics alive while I was still doing animation. 
it's funny that you mentioned Darwin Cook because I I put down a note. I was like, I get a lot like not to not to give you too much of a ego here, but I get a lot of Darwin Cook vibes from your art. I'm looking at it more and more. I was just like, I like, wow. Like, I see it in the faces. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely has like a golden age feel. Like your art. Yeah, I love it's all just, that. That's, that's, that's it's it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm so, not, I don't, I don't follow too many of the big two, like what's happening now, like in comics, like I, I follow a lot of the creator own stuff, but when I do go to the superheroes and I go to that stuff, it's the golden age stuff. It's, yeah. the, you know, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's the essence of it. I love it. So what was the animation that you did in school or after, after you graduated college, what, what type of animation were you, were you doing? Nothing, nothing major. It was really quick. Like I, I kind of entered at a couple of small little studios. I think it was like, I can't remember the name. I think one was like B3 Pictures. And um, I don't know if I did anything with Noodle Soup at the time. They were doing Venture Brothers. Um, but it was like a couple things here and there. Uh, but it was almost like almost immediate. Like these guys came around and, and they, they looked me up and they emailed me about working on a comic. So I was like, oh, all right, yeah. I was like, this is this is what I love. I said, I can't, yeah. It's just, I let her go and she flew back to me. Like I had to, you know, I had to get back to comics. And I just never, I never went back to, and all my, my good friends are all working. They're working for Nickelodeon. They're working for, you know, all these top-notch places. And I, I just can never go back to animation. I, I, I had to do comics. Like comics was where my heart is. The heart wants what the heart wants. That's it. <laughs> So uh, we see you have a pretty nice studio set up behind you. Um, it's very clean. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> a lot, a lot cleaner than Billy Tucci's. A lot cleaner than Billy Tucci's. It's a, it's a mess. Burn that third floor. <laughs> so, so when you finally get in the zone and you're and you're working, what are kind of the must-haves when you're when you're up and running in the studio? Um, the question. Coffee. <laughs> it's a big one um a lot of times a lot of times i, I like to i mean I, the way i set this up i don't know if you guys can see it but the way i try to set this is a new house um i try to set it up where like my den the family room is kind of here also um i wanted to set it up this way where i wasn't away from the family while i was working i don't want to be separated all this time mm-hmm. um but for some reason they still don't come down here <laughs> <laughs> I grab my artboard and I'm sitting on the couch or on the floor up in the living room and we're watching, you know, a Disney movie or something. So you don't have a problem working with like the distractions around? No, no, actually noise uh, works better for me. Oh, that's great. It really does. Yeah. Like that's why I don't mind drawing a con or, you know, anything like that. Or, like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, can I watch you draw? And I'm like, yeah. Um, the noise, even, even when I'm by myself, I try and put on, I'll put on like the old serials, the old uh, radio uh, shows. I'll, awesome. I'll put on the shadow. Um, I'll, I'll put on a podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, just where people are chatting and talking, I could hear some voices. You know, it's always you know helpful. That's cool. Sorry, I was taking a drink of something. Right I there. thought someone was going to jump in. <laughs> um, so, do you like in terms of like actual tools? Like, let's say somebody is interested in your style. What what do you kind of use, and what works best for you know the style that you draw? Um, I've been using lately just for, I used to use a uh, brush and, and just ink, you know, black and ink and um, a Raphael, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, sable brush, sorry. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've used it. Uh, but I usually use that, but for the sake of uh, deadlines and trying to move as quickly as I possibly can, I really dropped it down to um, just to, to brush markers 
been using a lot of uh, Kurotake brushes, uh, Japanese brushes, stuff like that. Um, Pentel has a handful of uh, marker pens that have been fantastic. They have a great tip on them. Um, I um, I've used mo mostly that Faber uh, Faber Castell uh, brushes. You know. Do you have a paper preference? Um, I, I get the Canson comic board. You know, it comes in it comes in a pad, really easy. You can order it online. Um, the Michaels near me actually carries it as well. Oh, nice. So I, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in a snag and I can't wait for something to get to me online. I get to order it, <laughs> shoot over there and get it. So that's always good. Um, so that's my my paper preference. But you know, work with whatever I have at the moment. Now we're now we're in quarantine, man. I'm like, forget it. Are you finding it hard to get art supplies that you need right now? I, or have you not run into that yet? I thank God I ordered ahead of time because it's taking a month. It's actually wow. taking a month. I don't know if I ordered at the wrong time. I bet you if I ordered now, it, it, Amazon Prime would have it here in two days. But um, <laughs> yeah. I think at the time I ordered, it's saying it's not going to get to me. I ordered the end of March. It's not going to get to me till the end of April. Um, but I should be all right till then. So by then you'll need stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just in time it'll come. Nice. All right, so so now I'm going to ask you a hard question. Oh, okay. So no math question. No math. No, no, no. <laughs> All you need to know is how many how, the prices of commissions. That's that's the only math that comes into play. Oh, I even know that. <laughs> wing that as it is. <laughs> so in terms of like your artistic skill, what would you say that what would you say you really excel at, and what is there? What's the other thing that you wish you would improve? Like. I'm, I'm not. I'm. Which what, what thing? What do I think I would? Do? Yeah. Well, like, what area would you like to? Would Improve. you personally think that you need to? Improve? Your greatest strength and your greatest weakness. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. Um, uh, we're artists. We think that all of our stuff sucks. <laughs> well, I'm sure. We can always improve on everything. Um, I always feel like I can improve on every aspect of it. Like there is never a moment where I'm like, yes, this is it. I've mastered this. Like that never comes and that should never come. That time should never happen. Like I should be 90, hopefully God, God willing, sitting at this table and you know, <laughs> still going, oh, I gotta learn that. Ah. But um, I think that things that I do well is panel layout, um, my storytelling. I think storytelling is very obviously the most important thing um, that you can do. Uh, you know, um, what can I really push on? Oh, backgrounds and perspective and cars and motorcycles and all that stuff that's, you know, the more technical, uh, you know, the more technical aspect of everything. But, um, you know, I, I hate having to pick up a ruler. And that, <laughs> it sounds crazy because I'm a cartoonist. But um, I actually hate picking up a ruler. So I try and use a ruler as little as possible. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you have to and it's, you know, it kind of almost sucks the fun out of it. <laughs> but, you, you must have crazy straight lines if you don't use it that often. <laughs> I, I use it. I, I do use it, but it's it's a pain in the butt. Are there any characters you've been asked to do in commissions that are like that you just struggle with and have always struggled with? Uh, for some reason, like I don't know why, but like like big two characters. I don't know why. Almost like, and I, I heard I actually watched um, something too not so long ago where Joe Casado was talking about the same thing, and I think Dan DiDio, they were both talking about that, and they were saying how even like big name guys sometimes come on a book. They've always wanted to draw Batman. And then when they finally get the chance, they're like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, like what happened? And um, it's almost because you have like this, 
this image of them. You have this whole pre, you know, the, you know, set thing in your mind from when you were a kid. There's too much love almost for the characters. And then finally, when you go to do it, you're like, it's almost like the hundreds of artists and, and writers and everybody that's come before you, like, once through your head and you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> but, you know, so I start to like, you know, freak out. But, um, yeah, it's probably mostly like big two. For some reason, uh, and I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man was my favorite character growing up. Favorite character as a kid. And for some reason, Spider-Man, you know, freaks me out. I got to race and race and race and you know, <laughs> do it over and over and over again. I'd like a giant Spider-Man, please. I was just, just, <laughs> just going to ask that. I was like, at a discount. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you get asked the most often to draw? Uh, probably the Rocketeer, which works out for me. Uh, yeah. I got one coming. <laughs> <laughs> got one coming. Um, but uh, which works out because that's that's my that's my absolute favorite. Is that your favorite one to yeah, draw as well? My favorite. I got the helmet sitting back here. Oh, I do. Yeah. I can see it. That's awesome. Yeah, I got the helmet. I have a little mini version of the jetpack. I got a whole yeah. rocket here walls. Have you heard about the new uh, Disney? It's it's a Disney animation project they're doing, right? For the rocket. Yeah, yeah, Disney Junior. It's actually it's been on it's been on um, for a little while now. Uh, trying to get my daughters into it. It's it's cute. You know, it's a cute show. Yeah, it's for like old, you know, for long time Rocketeer fans, it's not the show we hope for probably, but yeah, I have, I have two young girls, so it's cool in that regard, you know. I'm, uh, I have a I have a four year old daughter too, and it's like trying to get her into the stuff without like forcing it on yeah, her nice. at the same time. So nice. she comes in, and I do like an education on all the characters' names and stuff like that, <laughs> and like Master of the Universe stuff. So she's slowly getting interested, but like not there yet. <laughs> I've tried. I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And if I put on the Rocketeer helmet, my four-year-old goes crying out of the room. Oh, <laughs> she screams and flips out. But it's, you know, it's, you kind of just introduce it and hope that they jump on it. You know, Yeah. most of the time they're probably not. <laughs> which thinks so at least for me i'm like oh it's like heartbreaking <laughs> and everything i feel like every, when i was a kid everything my father showed me and like my father was he was old, he was much older he he, I, he put on like spartacus and i'm like i'm watching spartacus i love spartacus like, you know, <laughs> like, he put on the original flash gordon cereal and i'd be like oh, this is the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> you know, but i was into like everything he showed me and i'm like this is not working now i don't know what he did <laughs> It's a different generation. I think my yeah. my first sketch from you was uh, a Rocketeer and a Betty, which you did like a couple years ago. It was one of my favorites. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate it. I was yeah, thinking I about it today. I was like, I think between the three of us, we probably have at least 10 pieces from you. I was yeah, like, you guys are always awesome. At least. You did a great, you did a fantastic. You just posted that. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. You did a fantastic Black Manta for me. And it's, it's a beautiful, like that was Absolutely awesome. gorgeous. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones, man. I actually like how that came out. I was actually happy. I, I was yeah. going to bring that one up. I think my, probably my two favorite between the ones that we have is that one and the one you posted on Easter the other day, oh, the Yusagi Jimbo. I was like, oh, that's mine. Oh, <laughs> that's a like, I love those two. There, there are some, there are a handful of licensed characters that I would love to tackle. Obviously, Rocketeer is at the top of that. I would love to do a Rocketeer book. Um, Usagi, oh, I forget. I would love to do a Usagi book. Um, but a lot of, a lot of my loves, that's why I like eh, the big two, uh, not that I, I don't like them. I, I, I think they're all fantastic, but that's more like back in my childhood. Like I'm more into, you know, some of the creator owned stuff. My love for licensed characters goes to those old pulp heroes, like those old pulp characters. You give me 
pretty much anything on the dynamite line. You know, you give me any of that, I'll run wild with it. Oh yeah, because that's like <laughs> that's cool. they all have that that look that you yeah, know, shadow. All right, so we, we mentioned a bunch of the, the notable projects you've worked on. Um, what would you say, in your opinion, is kind of like the bigger ones that you've worked on to date? Um, probably, probably my image book, God Complex, was pretty, that was pretty awesome. That was a highlight for me, one, because it was image, and two, because it was Omi. Was Mike Omi. So um, getting to work for a company that shaped my decision <laughs> in you know in picking my career, finally getting to work for them was was one of the coolest things. I would love to work with them again. Um, and then getting to work with Mike, I, like I said before, I met Mike at New York Comic Con, and I kind of went over to him with my portfolio. I got up off, the, I was signing at the Norwegian booth, and I went over to you know he was right down the, the uh, hall there right down the aisle, and I went over to him. I said, I'm a big fan of yours. Can you mind looking through my, my, my book? And I had just moved out to Jersey at the time, and that's where he was living. And I didn't even know that. You know, it, the name tags, the first year in New York Comic Con, the name tags actually had your town and state, which was kind of weird. <laughs> so they said your town and state from where you were, you know, where you were living, which is weird. Um, and I saw that his town that he was at in Jersey wasn't far from where I was at the time. And he noticed that actually, because I didn't know Jersey from a hole in the wall, but he knew that. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, you live right by me. And I was like, Oh, do you mind if I come and like intern for you? Like I'll, I'll sit in your basement. I'll ink stuff for you. I'll get you coffee, I'll photo <laughs> whatever you want to do. And he's such like a humble guy. He's like one of the most stand up, humble, nicest people you could possibly meet. And he was just like, kind of like, I don't really have interns he's like i don't have interns why don't you just come hang out like why don't you just come hang out with us that's awesome like we do, yeah because we do a drinking drawer like once a week just just come hang out with a bunch of them so yes i eventually got to work with mike but more importantly right off the bat we got to become friends which was like that that's was awesome actually cool. <laughs> that was like icing on the cake yeah it's so funny when you like said that you know image influence your decision to do this and then you actually got to work on it. like when you were saying that just thinking of being able to do something like that gave me goosebumps so i can only imagine like how that felt for you like uh, that's so just excited. so cool yeah, was, so excited. was it scary yeah of course yeah every <laughs> time I, I work i like i'm doing the book for dark horse now dark horse is another company i've always wanted to work for this is my first time i kind of did a short story with dark horse accidentally <laughs> before I had done a short story on somebody's book and then eventually the collected edition of the book was picked up by Dark Horse. So I was like, yeah, I've done Dark Horse. But not really. Um, so this is the first time I'm actually, you know, artist on a book, you know, and it's, and it's a creator-owned project, which is cool. How, how, um, much, I get to do something how much of a difference is it from working with Image to now working with Dark Horse? I mean, is there is there a major difference between the two? As in work-wise? Um, yeah, I think um, Image, you're, you're really kind of self-publishing with Image. Um, they, I mean, when I worked with them, I don't know how it is now. Um, when I worked with them, it was a long time ago. That was probably 10 years ago now at this point. Um, so I don't know. It could be different now. But it was very much me, Mike, I mean, another writer, Daniel Berman, who was also fantastic. And it was just the three of us. Dan was also doing the colors and lettering. Um and we had some contact with an editor there, but it was really mostly us handling it ourselves. 
um, promoting it for the most part ourselves. They, Image would put it like a little preview of the book in the back of some of their other issues that were out, you know, that were coming out. Um, and we were in previews and all that stuff. But um, Dark Horse has been more like dealing with, you know, a studio like you would normally probably deal with, with one, um, a publishing company. You know, we got a little stipend in the beginning. Um, since it's created our own, we'll, we'll see back end. But it's, um, we're dealing hands on with the editor who, Brett Israel is the editor. He's fantastic. He's been so, so awesome um, with all of us. Um, I'm doing the book with, uh, just want to mention everybody. I'm doing the book with Neil Clyde, writer Neil Clyde, who actually did, um, he did the novelization for Craven's Last Hunt. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah, for the, off the original issues, off the original trade and everything like that. He did the novelization to that. And he did a Powers uh, novelization um, with Bendis, which is awesome. The guy's wow. a super talented writer. Unbelievable. That's, awesome. That's cool. Um, and Frank, yeah. And uh, Frank Reynoso is the colorist on it. He's doing a great job. He's really, he's coloring the heck out of this thing. It's called Saber. That's the name of the book. Um, so we've been dealing straight out with an editor and, you know, I'm, I'm dealing now with, uh, with press, you know, press release and, uh, you know, promotion and, you know, it's, it's very cool. It, it's definitely a different, um, different experience. It's very, very cool working with them. That's cool. Are there any kind of like projects or, or characters you've worked on, that you felt like kind of fell a little short, but you'd like to revisit again maybe one day? Uh, Zombie Sama was one of them. Um, not that oh, it fell, okay. Yeah, Zombie Sama was, um, oh man, um, not that it fell short. It was just that um, I wanted to do more. Yeah. Um, we had done like a 48 page story that first go around. And like I said, that was my first book. Um, so the art is horrible. Like you can <laughs> literally use it as toilet paper at this point. Um, but I fell in love with that character that Billy wrote. Like Billy Tucci wrote such a great character. I completely fell in love with it. And um, that's why I, I like almost immediately jumped to, you know, outlining a second and a third storyline. That's how much I wanted to go further. And I had shown it to Billy. He loved the idea. But then I think at the time he wanted to Sergeant Rock and I went out to God Complex. And that's just how it always was. Like I was working on something and he was working on something for years, but we would see each other at New York comic-con. We chatted up and we'd say, we got to do this, but we just didn't have the time. Then eventually, I don't know, it was 2016 or 15 or something like that. I finally came over to him and I was like, Billy, we got to do this. Like, I, I still want to do this book. And he's like, all right, great. Let's put the old book out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I said we gotta we gotta do this from scratch. Let's do it over because he I know he wanted to write more of it. He wanted more of a story um, that he that Norway kind of edited out the first go around. Mm. So I was like, you write it the way you want it. I'll draw it the way I want it, and let's put this back out and we'll do the Kickstarter. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I've been dying to do Kickstarter. Let's do it. Um, so we did it, and you know it, it did very well. That was a, it was the most lucrative Kickstarter I've had. That's for sure. Um, and now we're rock and rolling on too. Now I finally get to tell that second and third story I always wanted to. Nice. So have you have you dipped into any of the so purely two and then you're doing three all on its own? Or are you taking a little bit? Um, I'm working on two now. I, I scripted it. it it's going to be mm-hmm. yeah. Billy was like you you do Zombie Summer. I'm going to do She. You know we'll be, both be on the Crusade. You know fine art and um, we'll rock and roll. And this is my first like legit writing gig 
which uh-huh. is cool. So wow. this is my first writing credit. So uh-huh. you're so you're writing and yeah, I'm writing and drawing zombie samurai. That's wow. cool. Yeah, impressive. Yeah. How does it feel to have like complete control? <laughs> it is. I just posted about that not too long ago. It is. I was actually getting mad at everybody I know that's done their own books and written their own and drawn their own books. And I was like, you guys never told me that this is nerve wracking. This is so nerve wracking, but in like a great way. I, I want to say I've worked with some amazing scripts and amazing writers. Um, guys, and, you know, I don't, I don't even know. We'll find out soon if I write well. I don't even know if I write well. If I write well enough. But, um, Doing it this way, getting to write and draw the characters and have all this freedom um, is the closest I felt to being a kid again and making those little loose leaf, folded loose leaf papers and making your own <laughs> comics and creating your own characters when you were a kid. Um, this is the closest I've had to that feeling as an adult. You know, um, That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It really is. But it's nerve-wracking at the same time. I'm yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm nitpicking everything, like every aspect. But I think because of that, I'm getting some of my best pages out of them, um, which I'll be posting them tomorrow, I think. Ooh. I'm going to just see inks. It's the opening sequence. It'll be seven pages of the book. I'm going to um, the Zombie Sama fan page on Facebook. I'm going to post it strictly on there, just the seven pages. So those of you listening now, Go back to April 14th <laughs> to go see that post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. So, so can we talk about Zombie Sama right now? Is that a good segue? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, again, I was a big fan of the Kickstarter. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close with Billy. So I've known about this for quite a while also. And he's told me all about it. And um, I'm one of the guys that actually got the name. I was able to name one of the characters, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, again, I read it again last night. And so – you know, whose idea is it for, you know, you did the art. Is it, whose idea is it for the placement of the art? So I took a lot of Long Island. There's a, this takes place on Long Island. Is the second book going to be also on Long Island? Um, the second book, um, the opening sequence does. The second book is actually going to take place a couple of years later. Okay. And Jim is trying, this outbreak that happened in the first book, it's kind of been squashed and taken care of. Um, but Jim spent a year, well, we discover, roaming Long Island, trying to save whoever he could, and seeing some pretty horrific stuff along the way. you got to remember, he's only about 17 or 18 in that book. Um, so now he's about 20, and all he wants to do is move on with his life. He wants to do what every other 20 year old would do. He's going to go off to college. He wants to, now that things have gotten almost think about it in this crazy quarantine yeah. situation, this crazy <laughs> pandemic we're in now, people want to get back to normalcy. And that's what he wants to do. Um, so he heads off to college just to, you know, to, to move on with his life. He wants to become a sushi chef. We find out that's why he was delivering at the sushi place. He was studying on the Sanjuro. Uh, you know, the, 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 the guy who owned the sushi shop and was his mentor. And he just now he's a culinary student and he's trying to major in sushi. And <laughs> <laughs> he finds out quickly that no matter where he goes, that this is going to follow him. Like he just can't escape destiny. And we discover that there's more to the title of Zombie Sama than he knew. Like, it's almost, uh, I don't want to say, you know, I don't know, I don't want to get too much, but there's more to right. it, and there's more to the sword. There's actually <laughs> okay. even more to the sword. 
So we'll see a little bit of that in two, and then we'll really unveil all of it in three. I really. So do you already have a plan for the release? Um, I'm working. It's 100 pages, so I'm working on those now. I'm only about seven pages, in. but um, hopefully, as quickly as I can get that done, then we can go Kickstarter again. So we're hoping maybe end of this year start, you know, early next year for the Kickstarter. I I love the placement. Every you know when the you know when you're reading along and you knew exactly where you're at when you got to a certain point. You know you you kind of knew where the Bayport Aerodome is because I've been there a few times. I know exactly where that's at and. You talked about one of those the panel where they go to the dive shop and, you know, it's diver's way. And you know? that was a dive shop that I learned to dive in Bay, uh, in Bayshore. And I'm wondering if that was always, this, was that the same place, you know? That's all Billy, man. Yeah. That's all Billy. It's, it's, um, it's crazy yeah, Billy, the way he did Billy, all that. Yeah. When we, when we first started the book in 2006, I still had all the references. I still kept it. But he bombarded me with a ton of references. He was like, this is what this looks like. This is what this looks like. Cause I, I, I wasn't even, I was living in Brooklyn and then New Jersey. I rarely came out to Long Island. I don't, I don't know. What so did you know, did you know these so, places? No, no, <laughs> I've never seen these places in my life. And so he's like, yeah, this is what, this is all the reference. So he, you know, Google imaged everything. He sent me everything. So I still had that. So the only difference between the old book and this book was that I could draw it a lot better this time. <laughs> so we actually know what it is. That's cool. Um, you know, and that, that only comes with like, you know, years of experience. It's a fun but, book. And, yeah. I'm big on my establishing shots. I need, I need establishing shots so we know where we are. Cool. Listen, I've been living here for 12 years. I still only know my area too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn I'm, also. <laughs> I've been out here for, for about 12 years now too, so yeah. I, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us anything about the, the Dark Horse Project? Did you say it was called Saber? Saver, like when you want, like what a saver. S A V O R. Saver. Oh, saver. Saver. Oh, okay. Savoring something. Mm. Um, it's a great story. Uh, this is all Neil Clyde, man. He came up with this really imaginative story. Um, I met. I'll tell you how I met Neil, which is pretty cool. Um, we had worked separate stories, but we had worked on that um, the image book where we live. Uh, where we live. It was the anthology series that was raising money for the uh, the Vegas the victims of the uh, Vegas shooting. Gotcha. Um, so we had done you know separate stories in that, and then we were they were doing a tour, signing tour. So we met at Barnes and Noble in the city, and since he knows Bendis and Oming, they were like, oh, you have to you're going to be sitting there with John. You guys got to meet up and, and and team up. So we did a superhero team up, and uh, you know we, we hit it off. He sent me handful of you know different synopsis to a different storyline he's working on he was like which one do you want to work on and this one just jumped out at me um and that's cool I, most most writers I've, I've dealt with usually have this and that's how they approach an artist they have like they have like a little blurb of you know five six different projects and they're like pick one and i always love looking at that i'm like this is so cool <laughs> like, you know, like awesome. i'm like oh look at these little stories um so saver just completely jumped out at me it's really cool um it's about a young girl who lives on an island you know um it's an imaginary island it's made up island but it's in the real world it exists in our world um and it's a place where all the greatest foods come together and five of the greatest restaurants on the island Hmm. um and it's all these master chefs live then tourists travel there 
But once you get to the island, there's like no Wi-Fi. There's no, you know, it's really simplified life. And you're there to really enjoy the food and savor everything that the island has to offer and the people that live in it. Um, she has to also the, also the culture there is they're they're also warriors. They they live like a, a warrior lifestyle. They eat well and they fight well. Um, and she heads out kind of Batman style. She has to head out for for X amount of years, travel the world, see the world, learn to cook from all different types of people, and come back. Hmm. And her parents own one of the top restaurants on the island. So when she leaves, as soon as she leaves. And she leaves her closest friend and, and crush behind. Um, she leaves. She comes back six years later. And the island's been overrun by a demon chef and his pirate. Oh. And <laughs> she has to go on this unbelievable adventure throughout the island to free everyone. And it's it's such a great story. It really is. It's a heck of a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. That's yeah. that's the word I was going to describe. It sounds yeah. like a fun story. I'm, I'm yeah, it's an old age. Well, it's, you know, mid, you know, middle, but uh, hmm. young adult, let's say, young adult book. Um, but it's great. It, it's really a heck of a lot of fun. All right, I want the I want the John Broglia uh, variant exclusive cover. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think that's the only cover. When <laughs> when did when does that drop? When does that drop? Well, when does that drop or come out? Um, it didn't yet. It's going to. It was originally slated for August, and then everything, all this happened. So the solicitations were actually just dropping, and then everything got crazy. Um, so I believe we'll have a press release just around the time that everybody hears this, <laughs> and then um, I which worked say, out well. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was slated. Uh, it should be in the July. Um, solicitation previews it should be in oh, for like september or so yeah i think i think it'll be later on i think okay. oh, solicitation maybe is july maybe i don't know but okay. um I, i'm not sure but it, it should be coming out early next year I think. that's very awesome. exciting it was originally august and pushed it was pushed back wow very exciting yeah no it's good it's it's definitely a lot of fun it's a it's a 140 something page graphic novel so that's fantastic cool. yeah cool Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Sorry, I was taking notes. You guys, you guys don't want to jump in? No, I, <laughs> I see all the list. I, did he covered everything? I mean, this is fantastic. So, is there anything else? What else you got? Or, or, or do you already have a full plate? Yeah. Well, what can um, you tell us at least? <laughs> well, obviously, zombie. Well, zombie summit too. So we got that. Um, the official title of the two is Zombie Sama 2 Dorm of the Dead. Yeah. Ooh, That's the official title. I like awesome. that. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be so like when you asked before if it's on Long Island, it's actually going to be, there's really no specific destination for it. I kind of thought of Connecticut. Um, I wanted it to be out of state because that sets up the long distance relationship with Jane from the first book. Tables have turned a little bit um, where, you know, kind of he was chasing after Jane and she left him in the first book. Now it's kind of there together, but it's long distance and she kind of wants him closer because <laughs> um, he was off fighting for his life for a year. Um, so the third book is where it's going to get crazy. Like the third book, we really kind of round out the trilogy. I wanted to make it into a nice little trilogy, um, have all of the, the backstory. I wrote so much more backstory to it. I wanted all of that to come out. Um, so that'll be 
the title for that is uh, Zombie Summer 3, The Way of the Dead. Nice. So that's going to be, that'll be the third one. Awesome. And the yeah. movie, and when, when's the movie coming out? Hopefully through Netflix and hopefully soon. <laughs> can we, can we be extras? <laughs> yes, we want to be extras. <laughs> you know, if that happens, we're going to have to find the, the book through the Italian, uh, publisher oh I, then everybody's gonna want those i just don't I, I have them all here i just ordered it i'm all here i'm gonna make money off myself you just i just here. ordered it <laughs> I still have, yeah i still have them i don't know where they're, <laughs> they're in a box awesome. cost me six bucks good stuff man well we, we appreciate you joining us tonight this is uh, i appreciate it Thank i you. think people are gonna like this interview yeah uh it's a lot less cussing than uh when billy was on yeah, oh, yeah. i don't know if i was allowed I have a I have a potty mouth, but I don't know I don't know if you guys are okay with the. So we try and be PG thirteen. Yeah, it's like so one or two <laughs> slips, it's okay. Billy dropped like twelve f bombs during yeah. our episode, and I was like, and then asked every asked like every five minutes, wait, can I curse? That's usually I was, checking myself. I was like, I was like, JJ, you have to cut these out. <laughs> like, you have to beep them. <laughs> we started naming. So what with- else have you been doing besides drawing to uh, keep sane during the quarantine? Oh, I got two little kids, man. It's just, yeah. just keeping them sane. Is the, that's the uh, takes up all your time. Important part, yeah. That's taking yeah. Up all the time. So, so this but it's actually been pretty. They've been great. Um, we set up the backyard and let them play, and got their schoolwork, and you know, we've been finding you know just fun stuff to do. You know, can't complain. Yeah, I wish I would have came over for uh, Easter dinner last night because it looked really good. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> My devil egg. That was good. <laughs> oh, my mom made devil bags too. Oh, <laughs> so have you, uh, about your daughters, are, are they interested in drawing like you? I mean, are you, do you, do you try to steer them in that direction or, or show them? Um, I don't, I don't try and push it on them because I don't want them to hate feel it. like they have to. I try, I try and just, you know, I draw around them. They see me drawing all the time. Also, sometimes I feel like they're like, because of that, they're kind of like, eh. like it's no big deal to them. They're like, yeah, okay, good, great. Like I show them sometimes I'm like, wow, look, look, look at Daddy Drew. And they're like, yeah, oh, that's nice. That's good. I'm going to go back to my iPad. But, um, <laughs> but a lot of times my, my, my oldest one, um, she, she's really good artist. She, she's very good. I see her draw at the shows. She, she charges money for, for. Yeah. Her... She was the one I brought to the yep. show. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She loves it. Um, we actually caught up on all her art uh, projects today for school. So she went from painting to, Pencil drawing to origami to we built a robot. It was yeah. It was like, oh, nice. <laughs> I'm thinking about going into acting after this. My my daughter has me portray every single character in the Disney movies. I've done real good with all the Scottish accents from Breed. So. Hey, do, uh, <laughs> yeah, I might go that route. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Uh, do do they ever come up to you like, oh, that's cool, Dad? Look at this one that Jim Lee did. Do they ever like, pull that <laughs> Hey, Dad, can you do this? I don't show them. <laughs> no, no, I'm the only artist. <laughs> There's no other. They'll be like, Dad, you suck. <laughs> this is the only art. Oh <laughs> uh, man, we're gonna have to do this again. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I know. Uh, I spoke to Neil, who's the writer for Neil Clyde, the writer for Saver. I spoke to him today and told him I was coming on. So he actually wants to come on, the two of us, come back on. That'd be awesome. More about Absolutely. It. Yeah. yeah, definitely let us know when, when you guys are ready. Yes, definitely. Yeah, all right. Awesome. Well, Fantastic. thank you again, John. This is yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, we'll be back soon with you. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, guys. Thank you. 
All right. Thanks again, John Broglie. Awesome interview, guys. I can't wait to read uh, Saber and Zombie Sama 2. Yeah, very excited about yeah, that. I'm, I'm so excited about Zombie Samba. I, I don't know why, but I'm so I know. hung up. You, you, have, you have a big part in that, JJ. I, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it turns out, you know, after I read it, I don't think I even brought this up to, to John, Bo, but like I did one, like I got to name a character in the book through the through the Kickstarter. But then as I was reading the book, I started noticing that there was a, there was a bubble with my wife's name and then my last name, but spelt a little differently. It was off by one letter. And I'm wondering if that was that that had to be uh, Billy Tucci's deal, and it, it turned out to be. He probably made a mistake. I, I I think what happened. I think this is what happened. I think when he thought I was going to have my wife in the book, and then put her name in it, and then when I said, "Hey, I want my character name to be this," he changed. He kept it. So it was. It's. I'm hoping that that's the story. But I got so technically, I've got two names in the book. One, my wife's name is in the book, that's and then funny. my father-in-law's name is in the book. So it's it's pretty cool. It's I'm a, I'm a big zombie samba fan. That's my rant. I was excited too when he said that he was working on three and even had an idea for four. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's silly. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, geek freaks, now put on your pants. Oh, oh you screwed that up. <laughs> oh, uh, rewind. Let's right, do we're it. We're gonna cut this part out. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, geek freaks. <laughs> <laughs> wow this this is great we're usually much we're usually much better than this this is great all right geek freaks put on your parachute pants lace up your british knights zip up your members only jackets and hop in your delorean because we're traveling back 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 to the 80s for our new 80s movie review segment called the good the bad and the geeky nice and as a bonus we have a special guest with us mr toy stories Sister, do you want to do you want to use a, do you want to use a fake name or do you want us to call you by your real name? My real name, fine. Julie. All right, all right fine. Julie. Okay. So Julie is still reluctantly watched. Uh, well, TC, continue please with what our movie is this season. No, no. So our movie, as we said in the beginning of the episode, is The Thing from 1982, not the remake, uh, starring Kurt Russell and. Um, not a lot of other really famous names, just um, people you've recognized. But if you if you see, I'm like movie, those that era of movies. Yeah, actually, yeah, but it's a John Carpenter movie. Actually, they were pre- some of those guys were pretty famous. I mean, you guys wouldn't notice, but back in my day, I mean, I've seen them in other movies, a lot of westerns, I think, and stuff like that. I mean, they were they yeah, were big yeah. namers. It looked like a western crew. Yeah, they were they were big yeah, names I mean, back in that like time. Like Wolford Brimley was definitely someone I, Huge. I recognized. Keith David. Huge. Um, yeah. Definitely someone. Yeah. That's, um, that's my gen- that's my that's my error i know <laughs> so obviously we're all in quarantine right now so we uh we decided to watch this movie last week and julie was forced against her will to watch it she hates <laughs> any movie before like 2006 Ooh. so oh. don't even get me on watching star wars episode four and five the last couple days. <laughs> wow but that's for another episode <laughs> so who wants yeah. to go first uh, I think I think you should start it yeah, off. Yeah, you, you you and Julie started off. All right, I'll start it. I'll I'll go first and then uh, Jim will crush. You know you know what? Let let's do <laughs> no. at the end because I feel like I'm gonna be in the middle of both of you guys. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not gonna say all my thoughts, but I'll give, I'll give like a general overview first. So, okay, plot synopsis. So, you got these group of guys. They're at like some sort of military camp in the Antarctic, I think. Um, the movie opens up with this pan of a UFO through space. And then in the Antarctic area, 
you got a helicopter chasing um, what looked like an Alaskan like Malamute, like a wolf dog, through the snow. Husky. Trying, yeah, husky, thank you. <laughs> a husky running through the snow. They're trying to shoot the dog. And the dog's Which kind is of... a bad way to start a movie for me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I was, I was like, like what is going on? You can kill as many people as you want, but don't mess with the dog. Don't kill yeah, the dog. Long story short, the dog, <laughs> the dog basically makes its way to this compound with with these guys in it, and turns out the dog is some sort of alien life form that can basically completely copy whatever living organism that Shape-shift. it wants. Shape shift into looking exact, looking and behaving exactly like whatever it wants to and whatever it can see. So the dog infiltrates his camp and is like, you know, walking around because they had they had a bunch of Alaskan dogs there, a bunch of huskies there. So he kind of blended in. And the entire movie is basically, you know, there's this thing in here that could be made to look like and behave like any one of us. And we don't know where he is or how to find him. So that's did I did I hit it? <laughs> no, yeah. I, think, I think that's a pretty good um, synopsis. Right, so, How do you go into your thoughts? Yeah, so I thought this was I thought this was the blob. I totally <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought I thought I was watching going to watch the blob, but it was not. Um, I was I had no idea what this was about. I didn't even know John Carpenter made it until I went on IMDb while and and or until the opening credits. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Absolutely love it. And I see Tess and TC smirking. And I see JJ giving me a, a death stare. <laughs> so I thought it was a simple, it, it's a very simple story. There's, no, there's nothing to it. You could even argue that there's like, you know, between the beginning and the end of the movie, nothing freaking happens. But what I loved about the story was that the thing, the creature, whatever it was, the movie wasn't about that. It kind of it, it it was about the trust issues that it created between the people between all the guys living in that camp the entire the bulk of the movie was i don't know who to trust i can't trust you you can't trust me what do we do about this and that becomes like a whole crazy moral like you know question like what do we do if we think someone is this thing and is going to try and kill us what do we do if we're wrong you know that was my biggest thing that I loved about it. It was it like it didn't focus on the creature, even though I thought the concept of the creature was really cool. Um, yeah, that that was my biggest takeaway from it. Wow, that was that was deep. That was what did that work? That was deep. Now, now I look right, at other, other stuff. I look at it differently now. So that that was deep. Okay, so other other stuff I love. I um, didn't like it. I thought that was some of the best looking practical effects I've ever seen in a movie. It was very. I, I don't know. If, I don't even know if I would say believable, but it looked so good, and nothing about it was computer generated. It looked like. And I think that's kind of what makes it almost more realistic, because now yeah. we're so used to computer generated that we don't. We almost don't see any reality. Yeah. In like what we're being shown when it yeah. comes to stuff like that. So this is like. I mean, I'll get into it more, but like it. It, it is very more. It's much more believable. I exactly. Guess. That scene in the um, when the dog first like was in the pen with the other dogs yeah. and it kind of exploded into whatever, I thought they were gonna either not, a not show that too much or b it was gonna be some crappy early '80s CGI. And when I saw like the puppetry or auto autumn the um, animatronics whatever yeah. it was, I was completely blown away. Um, yeah, that was just me. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff I could say about it. Should I continue, or do you guys want to give your thoughts on certain things? No, well, well, let, let her go first. But before she, before Julie goes, do you get any like thing that may have came from inspiration from other things? Like, did you see like them taking things from different kind of movies and and you know genres or ideas? That that's I think that's tough for for Toy Story because. I mean, how young you are. Yeah, I'm, sure, like, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's tons of stuff, and I'm sure I haven't seen a lot of it. Well, yeah. I haven't inspired it. I, I have a few, and then I'm sure JJ will as well. Yeah. So uh, let, let's get your thoughts, special guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree that it was very real looking, yeah. and that was entertaining, but the rest of the movie I did not enjoy. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just thought it was very boring. I didn't like the story at all. Um, it was very direct. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by direct? Like there was nothing exciting happening in the story. Just what was happening. What was is what was happening. You didn't have to read behind anything, mm-hmm. which it, I it did was, not like. It was very much, you know, what you see is what you get. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Did you have um? Did you have a great Toy Story? I gave a nine point two on my post. That's right. I'm sticking with that right now. Does Julie know our grading system? So you know the comic book grades? Yeah. Yeah, so it goes like that. So like half half grades. Okay. Up until nine, and then it's 9.2, 9.2. I don't think we're going to have to worry about okay, how you're going to nine. <laughs> but so like no. 5.5, 6.0, 6.5. I'll give it like a five. <laughs> She's replacing Mac. Okay. She's That's... replacing Toy Story. <laughs> Liking this. Billy, for, for, uh, for comparison, what would you give uh, the, the two Star Wars movies that you watched? Uh. Oh, easy. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't bad. Oh, come on. They definitely weren't bad. It's just not my type of movie. All right, all right. That's fair. <laughs> I think it's hard to watch those, especially even now. Like, to never have seen the original ones before. I mean, at least I had kind of the luxury of seeing those for the first time in the mid to late 80s. I mean, to watch them in 2020. When you're used to, like, all the movies that come out it's, now. It's a little tough. Yeah. It is a little tough. I, I can understand that to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, um, one thing I got to say before you continue is I thought that the best actor in the whole damn movie was the dog. Um, <laughs> that dog, when it was creeping around the compound and when it would look into the camera and just stare and not even move its eyes, whoever was training that dog or, like, doing whatever behind the scenes, like – that blew me away. It was Animals a big juicy. Well trained. It's a big juicy steak. That's what they did. I mean, come on. <laughs> he was so, his look was so unsettling. Like you could just tell there was something off about him. And it, it was before Peter got involved, so they could do whatever they wanted. To. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I feel like I'm gonna be somewhere in the middle here, so I'll go before JJ. Uh, okay. JJ trashes it. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash it. So you uh, you also don't love horror movies, right? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's not it's not so much the horror. I'm not a big fan of it. So I, I think that my issue with it was I don't like disgusting. Okay. Like there's a lot of things I go to see a movie for. It's not to be disgusted. And it's not like the blood and like – like when I was a kid, I used to be scared of crap. You know, I used to be a little, you know, whatever. But um, like as I got older, like it didn't scare me. I just like – it didn't entertain me. Like and I felt like – to your point, I feel like the what they did with the special effects was gross and disgusting. But it was great. It was fantastic the way they did it. I just felt like it was almost too much. It was just like, uh, I, I don't need all that. I think that's where the horror aspect of it comes. Even yeah, though I wouldn't, 
A hundred percent. I mean, I like the idea, the concept. I would have preferred it just being like a morph. Like, why did it have to like explode before it turned into something else? I just didn't understand the necessity for that. Like, why don't you just like morph into somebody else? Um, <laughs> I'll be honest though. So I did get a lot of vibes. So like that, that opening scene, like mirror, I mean, I think Predator probably stole it from them. I never Predator seen Predator. After, you have to watch that. I know. I need to. Um, but then I also got like alien vibes as well. The thing I like about this more than alien though, and it's, it goes a little bit against what Julie was saying is that I like that it didn't take them forever to figure out what's going on. Like you get so angry in movie like aliens where it's just like, Oh, we don't know what's going on. Like, you know, you know, it takes them like three quarters of the movie to realize it's something like morphing into them. Yeah. Like this was like right to the point. They're like, they they bring back that body, which they never would have done in any other movie. Like, why would you even bring back that Cortez mm-hmm. body? They search through it. They're like, hey, something's going on here. We have to figure out what it is. And then somehow they figure out that things are morphing. Like that mm-hmm. doctor, um, you know, Dr. Blair, like he figures out like what's going on like right away. I was like, this is awesome. Well, that's what I was talking about where I felt like the, the thing, it's a thing was more of a plot device than the actual focus of the movie because they got to it so early on. It, sh- it shifted from, okay, what's this to the ramifications of this. Right. You know what I mean? And I like that focus on it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too. Like, you know, when, when he first is in that dog pen, it's just like, oh, they're going to change this guy. And then like, no one's going to know, but then everyone I comes hate in. That. I'm so sick of that. As like, everyone <laughs> comes in right away and, and they know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, he got to that one guy, like the guy who was like the, uh, the hippie-ish guy. Mm-hmm. Presumably he, he morphed him the first night. Right. Like he was one of the first, um, whatever it was, uh, changelings. But I mean, I think Kurt Russell, I, I think most of the performances were actually pretty good. I do get it was almost a little too straightforward. I didn't see, like, I, I agree that's what they were doing with your, like, the trust issues and stuff like that. It wasn't deep beyond that. It, it wasn't deep. No, it wasn't like yeah. a very deep story. It was very straightforward. The fact that you don't know if. See, I like that, though. There was no, like, beating around the bush or anything. And no, I did. And, and I feel like if it wasn't for that, I would have liked it a lot less. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but at the end, you don't know, like child's deal. Like, is he, is he, like, you know, they just kind of ended. It was like, you presume they're both going to die, but yeah. there's one of them, you know, I, I really enjoy really open-ended endings like that. I know, I know it's a lot, a lot of people don't, I really yeah. enjoy them. Well, I mean, that could also be is like, you know, they were figuring if it does well enough, maybe we could do it too. Yeah. I think that's probably what, what that was. Um, I heard 2011 things sucked, so what's next? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think overall it wasn't terrible. I'm gonna give it a pretty fair score of 6.5. I didn't hate it, but I didn't. I mean, I probably won't ever watch it again. But I, I didn't completely hate it. I, I enjoyed it. See, this is a movie I feel like I could watch many times and not get bored with. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. Because it's too gross. It's too gross. You're not into that. I got it. No, I'm not into like the like like shooting and blood. But like when once you have to like explode an entire person and they're like they turn inside mm-hmm. out. I'm just that's that's not for me. One thing I loved the blood test scene. That was. I awesome. thought that was one of the most like nerve wracking, unsettling scenes. I've that seen. that scene probably bumped it from the six to a six five to me. Yeah. Uh, before then. I was at like a six and then I was like, this is actually a pretty good scene. It, yeah. it, it got, it got a half a point out of me for that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Half point for one scene. Yeah. All right. 
Now listen, been, listen, 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 listen. He's been trashing this all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, you, you got to be honest. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. We're going to do a lot of these, so we're all going to feel different. Yep, like and, and I, I'm one of those people. I didn't like it. Like, I remember when this movie came out in the theaters. I remember seeing the previews. It was in the newspapers. I saw it. Did you see it? I, not in the theaters, because I would have been, uh, I would have been 11, 11, 12. I would have been 10, 11. I would have been 11. Mm-hmm. I remember probably seeing it when I was 14. Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't like horror flicks. I'm with TC. I don't like horror flicks. I, I don't mind the blood. I don't mind grotesque things. I don't like killings. Like what? I mean, John Carpenter, he's a legend. He's made so many awesome movies. I mean, starting with assault on, on, on precinct 13, that, that was, a, that was probably one of his first movies. I remember seeing that and I, I liked it. It was, you know, it's, that came out in, I think 76 or 77. Um, but then you got the Halloween movies. I don't like Halloween movies. I never liked them. I've seen, I'm, I've probably seen the first one once. I've never seen any of the other ones. The the Jason the same guy who did Halloween. Yeah, J, the Jason movies. I hated those. So I'm I'm I don't like horror flicks. I don't consider this movie horror. Um, I consider it more like psychological thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't even like gr- grotesque thriller. <laughs> yeah, psychological sci-fi. Gr- I don't, I don't know. Continue, little things that bothered me, the opening scene with the spaceship coming in, I think they could have done, done away with that. Like, don't even show us that. Show us the spaceship mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the, in the ice. That would have been probably a little more thrilling, but then you know what's going on. There's an alien on the planet yeah, in the first two seconds of the movie. Okay. So this is the thing. The thing is a space alien, you know, right away. I'm, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. You know, the opening, you know, and then, then we've got, you know, the dogs running through the snow and, you know, that went on for 10 minutes. I don't know if you guys realize that that was a long <laughs> sequence of this dog running and how the hell did this dog not get shot being, you know, from the helicopter? Like there was a lot that of just, guy's the worst shooter ever. The worst, and he's Norwegian. Maybe that's what it is or Dutch or whatever he is. I, I don't know. It just, he was throwing grenades at him too. It, it, then that's a strong dog. It's right. And it, you know, and I get it. I, you know. <laughs> Back then, this was a great like this must this was a great movie back then. Watching it now, I I'm gonna use this word because I've I've used this, but it was hokey. Like there's that word again. Like it just uh, I was hoping it was gonna be horrible. No, horrible. <laughs> you know, it, it's the the actors were fantastic. I love Kurt Russell. I mean, yeah. The the amount of movies, the lot of I guess you would call it a collaboration with you know John Carpenter and and Kurt Russell. I mean. Right after this movie, we had, you know, um, uh, actually it was before, uh, um, Jesus, uh, Escape from New York. I mean, that was a fantastic movie. That was a great movie. If, Matt, if, if you haven't seen that, that is an unbelievable movie. We got Snake Plissken. I mean, this guy's a legend. You know, and then we had, uh, then we had, um, uh, what was another movie uh, that, 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 that he did with him? Um, so are you comparing it to other Carpenter movies? Essentially, look, all Carpenter movies—they're pretty much horror. They're horror flicks. Um, I'm not going to compare this one to them, but I'm just saying that you know he had a great cast. The story on this was lacking compared to all the other John Carpenter movies that he's done. Um, I don't think this was original. I think there was there was another thing in the '50s. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I'm almost positive. I don't know about that. I didn't know they did it. I didn't know they remade it until I saw this one. Um. Yeah. And, and you know, I I think the story the story went too quick. I think I think if they, I don't say drag it out, but like 
things just fit. It was like a block, block. It was like a block one after another. And it was just, it was predictable. Um, you know, yeah. that whole thought about, I you know, it was like more, <laughs> it was more, you know, psychological. Yeah. The, the whole psychological part of that, of trying to figure out who has it and who doesn't, or, you know, does this person have it? That's great and all that. But, you know, when, when you set the movie up to where you're basically figuring it out as it's moving along, like, okay, you know, it, it just, it loses its appeal um, to it. And then the animatronics, I mean, superior back in that time in that time with the with, with you know with the 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 puppetry and the the animatronics i mean that was that was unbelievable and you know watching it now you're like oh this is kind of stupid it's lame you know back then like that was that was it that was that was what it was back then yeah what's up okay so for reference the book who goes there from 1938 was made into a movie called the thing from another world in 1951 which was then remade into this in 1982 by john carpenter okay all follows the same plot though you know i didn't realize john carpenter also did halloween again i'm not a horror person my favorite horror movie of all time is the first halloween though dude he also the the other movie i was thinking was he did big trouble in little china i mean that was a great movie i mean again kurt russell great movie i mean we've got so long we and he you know that's definitely on the list it's 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 an amazing this guy's Absolutely amazing of what he's put out there. You know, Ghost of Mars, fantastic. They live. I mean, you know, I like to, you know, kick ass and chew bubble gum. You know, that that's a iconic line of a movie. You know, he's done some great things. This one here for me, and I'm all out of bubble gum. That's all my. You know, it, it's it's. I'm gonna use that hokey word again. It was just you know, it was hokey. And you know, my score on this, yeah. it's a four zero. I'm giving it a four zero. I mean, that's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Oh my god! And, you know that's better than I thought you were going to do. That's worse than I gave Rise of Skywalker. And, and you know it's it's got some saving moments. I mean, you know the 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 visual effects on it were unbelievable. I mean, you know you, you've got these, you know the one scene where you know the guy at the very end, you know you have uh, in the room, you know, and they got the people tied up, and then you've got this head popping off this body that's burning. It grows legs and it walks across. I mean, that's <laughs> if you that is an iconic scene. In, in horror, you know, films where people remember that scene and that's, that, it's unbelievable that that, how that was done back in 1982. Like you can't really, I mean, you could do that now with CGI and just, I don't think it would look the same. It would look a little weird, but this, this looked real. And it, that, that's at saving grace with stuff like it that. It totally looked real. And, and, you and know, that was another part where I was like, if they don't see this with like 10 people in the room, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> it was, oh, I, was, I, was, I felt the same. And it was fantastic. I mean, you, you, you felt it, but that again, that was a saving grace. And I, I'm glad they didn't do a second part on this. You know, you know, the last two guys you had, you had, um, you had Childs and what was the other guy's name? What was Kurt Russell's name in the movie? Uh, uh, McCready. McCready. So you had McCready and Childs and you know, you were supposed to guess like which one of them had it. And to me, I, you or saw, you, you knew, you knew, I, I figured out like one of them is definitely it. And you could tell by the scene. If you actually, if you actually pay attention to the scene, you can kind of guess which one is the thing now. Um, I'm not sure if you guys picked up on that, but there were just certain things. No. So if you'll notice, you see Kurt Russell breathing, you see his breath. When Childs talks, you saw no breath. And I, when I saw that, I'm like, mm. you know, that, wow. that, that, that's, that's it was, stuff like that was just, I don't know. It just, it, it ruined it a little bit. 
it, it didn't leave up. It didn't leave it open for me. Maybe a three five. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what a spread of scores! Oh man, this, this is a good. This is a good first one. Wow. I gotta tell you, what I, a I love scores. I love that it's all over the place. This yeah. is so much better than if we all thought it was either terrible or awesome. Yeah, this is a perfect t- type of movie. Totally. I'm actually. It might not even allow us to pick movies that we all love. <laughs> no. So Jim, do you think it's more that you? Do you think you didn't like it more because it's not your kind of movie, or because it was just a bad movie? I, and, and I can't even really say because. You know, they consider this a horror flick, and, and I don't like horror flicks, but I don't think of that as a horror. That wasn't a horror flick to me. You know, horror, either, yeah. A horror flick to me is, you know, a, a Jason movie, a Halloween movie. You know, you've got some slasher dude, a Scream movie, which was more comical than, than a horror. I don't consider this a horror flick. This was either a sci-fi or, like you said, a thriller, a thriller sci-fi type of movie. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was definitely like a blend of a lot of kind of different genres. Yeah. Like there's definitely there's definitely some aspects of horror, definitely um, sci-fi, definitely thriller. I mean, it's it's definitely a combination of those three. I think. Yeah, I, you know, I again, it it, it 1982. I, I now watching, I expected you know the way it is when that was made back the you know back then. It was, it was such a great movie probably back then. Nowadays, you know, I encourage people to watch it, see it for the first. If you've never seen it, I would watch this. Compared to the newer one, because I, you know, I, I can't imagine what. Did the, you see the newer one? I won't see it. No, I'm I, this. This ruined it. I, I, I already know what happens. It's, yeah. it's an alien. You know, it's. Yeah. But there's other there's. I mean, I, there's other great, fantastic okay. other John Carpenter movies. You know, you know, Escape from New York is probably one of my favorite John Carpenter movies. Um, and then you know it's Kurt Russell. I know that they. I know that there's a second part, Escape from L.A., which is kind of weird. It's it's. I would stay away from that one, but the escape from New York, man, that, that left, I remember watching that as a kid. I'm going, Oh my God, this is like amazing. That was probably one of my first rated R movies that I watched when I was, you know, 10, 10 or 11. Um, and it was such a great movie. Dark. Oh, the year before 1981. 81. Yeah. And it's, again, it's mm-hmm. a great movie. If we get a chance to watch that one. Oh, interesting. So escape from New York, the writers are John Carpenter and Nick Castle who played Michael Myers in Halloween. Yeah. yeah. The original, um, the original, um, Michael Myers. Yes. That's cool. So, so I don't know what's going and, on. My, t- my rotten tomatoes is freezing and, right now. And also, you know, John Carpenter, he did Christine. Too. Want me to Christine. Pull up rotten tomatoes for uh, this movie. You guys heard of Christine, right? I mean, that was. What were you saying, JJ? I said, John Carpenter also did the movie Christine, which is about the, the car. Like, Another, another, yeah. another fantastic movie. That's more horror. I mean, that's, I've seen that once or twice. See, and I pulled up, uh, I pulled up Rotten Tomatoes for this, if that's what you were going for. For which movie? Yeah. So I, I saw that eight po- um, IMDB had it at 8.1 out of 10. Yeah. What is so Rotten Tomato? Rotten Tomatoes has the Tomatometer, which is the, the critic mm-hmm. reviews is 84%. And audience score is 92%. Meaning uh, what? So 90, 90, pretty much your score. What what is that? Out of a hundred, so people liked like it. The audience, yeah, like the people who watched it, rated it. But you got to remember too, the people who are watching it, like you were. I think the point you were trying to make, Toy Story, is that the people who are watching it are probably horror fans too. Yeah, like they're yeah. John Carpenter fans. Like for, I think my score for not being a horror fan is probably about the average for a non-horror fan. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, JJ you're into horror movies, like. Tom Polari probably. Oh, he movie. probably loves that movie. Yeah, 100. Yeah. So. All right, that was a yeah. that was an 
awesome first review. Spread from a 3.5 to a 9.2. That's pretty <laughs> pretty yeah. good for a first one. A very good, the good, the bad, and the geeky uh, movie <laughs> review segment. Uh, I'm excited to do the next one. I, I think we already have a list of 75 movies. So yeah. if, as long as we keep doing this show for the next 80 years. Thank you for joining us, Julie, and uh, giving your thoughts. Thank you for having me. Yeah, how you, how the... you doing during uh, quarantine? Are you, uh, you cooking up a storm? Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. she, she, she loves to stay home and do nothing anyway, so this is heaven. <laughs> you see, I'm the same way. I just want it to be my choice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell people, no, I can't go and give a random excuse. She also she also doesn't like that we're all also home. Yeah. Yeah, I like to be by myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs their space. <laughs> we still got a Return of the Jedi to watch. Oh. <laughs> Can't wait. That's my that's my favorite one. If you're gonna like anyone, you'll probably like that one. You're gonna like that one. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so did you? So what did you see? Right. You just saw Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, we watched those too. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> She was she was very um at the end at the end of <laughs> at the end of Star Wars she was like wait what happened to uh to uh to uh his his aunt and uncle from the beginning <laughs> I lost focus so many times in the movie because it's not my type of movie that's great <laughs> wow <laughs> the Death Star explodes. So what happened to the aunt and uncle? <laughs> I don't even I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> oh, this is great. That's great. That was that was a great question. <laughs> uh, they're dead. <laughs> oh man, this is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for, for coming. Uh, and you're welcome yeah, back guys. anytime. Yeah. The next Asian movie that we watch, yeah. you will you have to watch it. Yeah, we'll, we will educate the both of you on the gloriousness that is the eighties. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we hope everyone enjoyed um, you know, this episode. John John's, uh, we hope you guys all check out the book, support Zombie Sama and Saver, and um give us your feedback on the, the movie review too. Check out the thing, let us know what you think on uh, social media, Instagram, mm-hmm. face face space, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we will not be at any cons uh, we'll not. <laughs> until there are cons again. So, uh, we'll be at the first one that there is. We are, we are doing a lot of cool stuff. We have a yeah. big interview coming up next. We got a do, couple we wanna, of... do we want to say who it is? Not yet. Yeah. No, no, not no, yet. no. All right. no. All right. We, do get, we do got a couple of really cool things lined up. Yeah, we, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of cool things coming on. We're going to have uh, an announcement next episode uh, from Ali again at Elite Comics 11. Uh, we're going to give you guys more info on at con. And um, I think that's pretty much it for this time around. Yeah, I think so. But uh, thank you guys for listening. If you don't already uh, subscribe, subscribe to Don't Feed the Geeks. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at licomicguys.com and at Don't Feed the Geeks. And remember, until next time, Don't Feed the Geeks! <laughs>